Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we talk with people around the world who can help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor, certified eating disorder specialist, and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. Calming the Chaos Podcast is for those who want self-help resources and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. In this episode of Calming the Chaos, I'll be talking with Sarah Falk, and she is a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Illinois. She's also an author and a coach. She's going to be talking to us today about how she has struggled with crippling anxiety and has learned to make anxiety her superpower. I'm just so excited to have her here and learn new ways to calm our chaos. And so now let us welcome Sarah Falk. Hello. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am, as usual, full of chaos. Right? <laughs> oh, chaotic this morning. <laughs> yes, I think we've both had technical difficulties. Isn't that true? Yes. Yep. The chaos of technology. I'm right. sure we could go on about that forever and a day. Uh, however, here we have you. And I will love to hear some of your wisdom, expertise, and whatever you can offer me to calm my internal chaos as I filter through everything I just went through in the last 20 minutes. So <laughs> welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, let's uh, let's hear a little bit about yourself, uh, your story, what you want to share with our audience about you and how your history with anxiety developed. Sure. I always say that I would I would like to report that my anxiety started at age 17 when I was diagnosed with bone cancer and that sounds anxiety producing enough. But I really think that I struggled with anxiety before then because I was a kid who I had the stomach aches, I had headaches, and they were really unexplained. And it was always like, well, you're not throwing up, so you're going to school, you know, or there's no reason for your headaches, so we just have to carry on with life. But I really think that, you know, looking back now as a, a seasoned clinician, looking back and able to say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that I would have diagnosed myself with um, some anxiety even back then. Mm. So I, um, as a cancer patient at age 17, um, I was considered pediatric. And so I, through my stay in the hospital, met a couple different medical social workers, and one was fantastic, and the other one kind of ignored me. So I determined at that time that I would become a medical social worker and work with cancer patients and their families. And I found myself in my dream job eventually and was having horrible panic attacks and realized as you know as i was working with the cancer population at that time that cancer was a major 
trigger for me and uh, talk about chaos. <laughs> right. And what you just described was a progression, a very uh, nice progression to where it's like, I'd like to say my anxiety started at 17, but it probably now looking at it was was a lot earlier. And sometimes we don't really even think of these physical symptoms that kids have as anxiety. We just say, buck up little camper and go to school anyway, when there's nothing wrong with you, wrong with you, right? Right. And sometimes we misread the behavioral cues as well. You know, yeah, what, what kind of behavioral cues would you say that you now in hindsight would have noticed about you as a kid? Yeah, sometimes the resistance, you know, it could be seen as, um, well, they're rebellious or they're um, defiant. Uh, that's one of the words that are kind of thrown around. Um, and instead, it really is just a matter of trying to feel safe. And so, you know, I see that even in my private practice, uh, my counseling practice where, you know, there are kids who they're trying to feel safe. They're not trying to be defiant or rebellious, but they're just trying to feel safe. Yeah. Right. Because anxiety is all about something that you fear is going to happen that isn't like one of those imminent fears, right? Like if, if that building across the street from me was on fire, I would have an actual fear that was based in reality. But anxiety tends to be that sort of fear that is not based in what's really going on. But it's still, uh, what what we want to do is try and help the kid feel safe, I guess, right? Right, right. Yeah, anxiety it is triggered. The stress response is triggered by any perceived threat in our environment. And that's why I always encourage people to pay attention to their good stress, quote unquote, and, and quote unquote bad stress, because sometimes planning a vacation can trigger anxiety. And it's just really anything that's out of the norm, anything that takes us away from, you know, the status quo and our stress response is like, um, excuse me, I don't recognize that warning. Mm. <laughs> so that, yeah, that can be really tricky. <laughs> Well, can you talk a little bit about the stress response now that we've kind of gotten into this a little bit, just for folks who may not know what the stress response is exactly? Yes. So I really like to call it stress reaction rather than stress response, because I feel like response makes me think that I should have some amount of control over it when really you don't. So it's a it's a reaction. It is a survival instinct. So when there's, I talked about any perceived threat in our environment, then our amygdala, a tiny part of our brain, which houses this warning system, this stress reaction, will alert, will start its warning sign, will start this alert. And then our system reacts. So we have adrenaline and cortisol, these stress hormones that are uptake in our system, and that increases our blood pressure, our blood sugar, and our heart rate. This is a survival instinct. So it all resources are going to survive this imminent crisis, which our body is telling us we are in now, <laughs> mm -hmm. even though we may not be. And so this is kind of the state we find ourselves in, in this 
day and age where we're triggered everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And when we talk about triggers, it's just anything in our world or even within our own thoughts that we may perceive as a threat or danger, right? Like the internet going down or StreamYard not cooperating with the interview that we were going to have today. Right. And then I could tell the stress response was a body response. It was, exactly. like you said, the amygdala. But what it does is it helps all of those chemicals uh, float throughout my body so that I can survive this chaos or this disaster, even though it wasn't going to be a disaster. I knew how to get in touch with you in case something really went wrong. And, you know, we could always reschedule. Of course, that was going through my brain, right? But my body it was activated and kind of still is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is that energy because adrenaline and cortisol do give you energy. And so that it, part of my work is to talk about how to um, use that anxious energy because it can either be, it can be crippling and I myself have experienced crippling panic attacks in my history, but have found that there's also a way to, to work with anxiety rather than trying to stop it. Mm -hmm. So often clients will come in and I'll ask them what their goals are and they'll say, I want to get rid of my anxiety. So the first thing I have to to break to them is uh, we're not going to get rid of it because it's an it's a survival instinct and you want it and you need it, but we'll talk about how to work with it. <laughs> that is so true. Most of my clients say that too. They want to get rid of it and it is adaptive. It really is. And mm -hmm. it's really painful when it happens at those moments and you don't know what to do or how to, how to act, I guess. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So this is how you started to, I guess, leash in the power of your anxiety and call it your superpower. Is that right? Yes, it was. It was quite a process, I will say. I was homebound for about a month and uh, had to quit my job at the cancer support center, my dream job, mm -hmm. just recognizing that cancer was a trigger for me and I could not work with all cancer all the time. And so through the course of time, just really developed this, this strategy, this practice that I share with my clients now, as far as recognizing anxiety for what it is, acknowledging it, and then shifting that energy into powerful and positive action rather than staying on this course of negativity and fear. And really, I mean, like you said, it is a physical response. So not only are you working with yourself mentally, but I talk about working with yourself physically and spiritually. We have to, in my, in my experience, you have to, to work with the whole person. You can't just work with mind, body, or spirit. It needs to be a, a whole a whole person experience. <laughs> Which is interesting because during the time that I didn't know what was going to happen with this broadcast, I was saying, please, God, please. So <laughs> is that the spiritual thing you're talking about? I'm, I'm thinking you are talking about something a little deeper than me pleading with God to restore my connection. 
<laughs> well, I think that's part of it, right? We, that's part of it. But I do think for as far as anxiety is concerned, one of the traps we kind of fall into with anxiety is we're trying to control everything. So then we're holding tightly, we're grabbing onto anything that we we think we can control when in reality we ha- what do we really control, right? We have very little control over things. Mm-hmm. Um our our attitude, our thoughts, our decisions, but as far as like the future, as far as what other people say or do, as far as circumstances, accidents, you know, um, nature, acts of nature, we don't have control over those things, but we obsess over those things often and ruminate and fear. So um, I talk about, and this is kind of the spiritual movement as far as my work with anxiety is concerned, I talk about holding things loosely. And um, very specifically, a posture of surrender. So a posture of surrender would look like shoulders down, hands uplifted. And even if you tried this wherever you are, just try um, clenching your fists and, 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 you know, tightening your shoulders and hold on tight. And this is us anxious. And now release your shoulders and open your hands and hold them up. It feels so much better. It's just different. So different, right? Even just the energy in your body, it feels different. And so this is kind of like this the spiritual movement that I talk about in work with anxiety. Like we have to stop this, stop holding on so tightly and recognize and and confess kind of those those areas where we're trying to take control. And yet, no, we don't have control. (laughs) Such an important message in that our anxiety is really based a lot in control. What we think or perceive that we should be able to control and or this should be working right or that should be doing this and why isn't it and what can we do to control it for sure. And so what you're saying is recognizing it for what it is and understand that you have very little control over this. Actually, you don't have any control over the situation. But you right. have all kinds of control over how you're going to respond to the situation, what you choose to do, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that, again, I talk about this as a, a process. I had to learn that over time. I was diagnosed with um, bone cancer at 17 and then breast cancer in 2015. So again, I, you know, in, at age 17, I was faced with this, you know, this stark reality that I had little control over anything except my attitude and actions. And then again, you know, in 2015, where I had to say, okay, you know, I can choose to be angry and questioning and being like, wait a second, I, you know, I thought I paid my cancer dues. Why am I doing, why is this happening again? Or I could choose to use all of that anxious energy and that frustration for the positive, to look for meaning in the midst of it. And really, really, that was the time where I just thought, you know what, I need to branch out. And then with COVID coming along like five years later, it was like, wow, 
Now there's so much more anxiety that I'm seeing. And it's time to just get this message out that you can experience your anxiety in a different way. Yeah. And I think a lot of people need to be hearing that because we're still in COVID, right? We're, we're not out of it yet. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you got your first cancer diagnosis at age 17 and then the dream job was next or was it the second cancer diagnosis that was next? Yeah. So I, I, the dream job came after, um, after the cancer diagnosis. So I, probably about eight years later, eight to 10 years later, I was in my dream job. Um, and I met my husband at that time. And the poor man, <laughs> we had only been married about a month and I had to quit my job due to panic attacks. Um, so that was a really tricky time. But then um, after we had our children and I had just finished um, breastfeeding my fourth child um, and then a year later was diagnosed, like that year was diagnosed with breast cancer. So, wow. Yeah. When you think about chaos too, as being something that comes along and it's, it's anything but order. It's anything but the order that you think things are going in. And that what you just said was a perfect example of chaos because what happened was the expectation was, is that we would live happily ever after, or at least I would continue working at my job that I love. And that got disrupted and threw yeah. you into a state that was like, oh, what do I do now? Yes. And then fearing too, like I didn't want my husband to think, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? But he was completely supportive and helped me work my way through. And I even was to a place where we could start having children and I was back at work and started a private practice. And so really things did come about. But like you said, I had four under four, four children under age four, and just a month or two later was diagnosed with breast cancer and there's the chaos. Yeah. Like, how am I going to maintain my business? How am I going to, you know, maintain my family and go through this treatment that I, I knew, you know, going through treatment is going to knock you down a bit. <laughs> so it's like, um, having the realistic expectation that I would not be functioning at full capacity and wondering how in the world am I going to do all of this? How is this going to work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At what point in time were you able to determine that, you know, this is my dream job that I'm in and I don't think I can work with all cancer patients all the time. How did you recognize that? For some of our younger folks out there who may be unsure about their career path or career direction. Sure. Yeah, it, it took some time to admit it because I really didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to give up that job. It, it literally was, if I could have created my own job. That's exactly what it would have been um, at that time. And so I, but I had to recognize it was really impacting my functioning. Mm -hmm. And I had to pay attention. And I had talked to clients about this too. Pay attention to what triggers you and what soothes you. Mm. So recognizing those things that really, and, and, and 
here's the thing with triggers is it doesn't necessarily have to be a job. It could be um, a food. Food sensitivities play with our the chemical the chemicals in our bodies. And sometimes there are things that do increase our cortisol level and we don't think about it that way. We don't think of it as a trigger, but it can trigger the stress reaction in our body chemically. Um, so there are just a number of things to really pay attention to. And as far as the job is concerned, you know, I think it is just trying to be very honest with yourself. What is this? Yeah, what is what is triggering me in a, good, a positive way and what's triggering me in a not so positive way and paying attention to both triggers. So, yeah, I love that. So as far as that goes, when did you start learning? So you took some time off of that job and it was going to be, I think, wasn't it going to be a leave of absence or was it going to be a permanent or a long leave or something like that? But somehow you started to learn more about the stress response and about specific tools. Is that right? Yes. So when I left, I just left. It was, and they were so gracious and so kind. They saw what was happening to me. They didn't even require a two weeks notice. It was just like, sweetie, you need to go home. You need to take care of yourself and figure out what, you know, what you can do, you know, get this under control kind of thing. So yes, I, at that time I was like, okay, I have to figure this out for myself, you know, and that included counseling that included, um, you know, going to see my doctor and talking about medication that included uh, my own personal study and research and trying things for myself. Uh, for instance, I cut out caffeine and reduced sugar because they're stimulants. And I recognized I did not need stimulants in my system when I was already, you know, too stimulated as it was. And right. so just recognizing some of the littler things and the things that maybe not everyone thinks about that I could do for myself to help myself. And it's so true. I mean, even something simple like caffeine or somebody who says that they have a bunch of anxiety and they are drinking energy drinks because they're tired and well, very well-meaning, but it it just isn't helpful when you're struggling with that physiology, right? Because it, it makes your heart beat faster and it just kind of raises all that. I don't know what it raises, but it, it makes you feel like you want to jump out of your own skin sometimes. Right. And it's interesting, too, because um, the energy drink drinks actually perpetuate that exhausted feeling because I've had clients come off of them and they're like, wow, I have so much more energy. I'm so awake in the morning. And I'm like, good, <laughs> good, because you're actually getting a good amount of sleep because any any amount of caffeine you drink during the day is going to impact your sleep. Caffeine has a five-hour half-life, but it really doesn't matter what time you drink caffeine, it, it can impact your sleep. And if you're drinking high levels or high amounts of caffeine, like in the energy drinks, which also have a high amount of sugar, then you're already kind of messing with your sleep at the start of the day. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think about that and the conspiracy theorist in me thinks, hmm, so did the energy drink 
developers develop an energy drink that'll make you tired and need more energy. So you have more energy drinks and you buy more energy drinks. Right. I just wonder. Right, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, okay. So that's that. So you started doing your own self-study. I'm curious as to where you started to look first for resources to help with what, what you now know is the stress response. Yeah, I... Well, I had a, I still had a lot of um, textbooks, <laughs> so I went back to what I had already learned and what I already knew, but also started watching um, some YouTube videos and, you know, searching, doing some searches. I wanted ideas from more holistic practitioners, so I was looking um, at at that kind of community rather than necessarily just the strictly psychological or medical community. I just wanted to hear what people were saying about the foods we eat, about you know different kinds of triggers, um, different kinds of stimulants, not necessarily the substance or chemical kind, but what else? And so, you know, one of the things that um, actually has been talked a lot about lately, especially when, you know, we went virtual, everything went virtual for a couple of weeks in 2020, March of 2020, um, is the blue light and the screens that actually stimulate your brain. And so for people who are working on computers all day long and drinking their energy drinks or their caffeine, you know, it's, it's like, okay, I can help you. Like, really, if you want to do the work, I can help you get that anxiety under control because I can tell you two things right now. <laughs> You know, decaf coffee and blue light blocker glasses, those will help you. So it's just interesting, all of the different things that can trigger us. And, you know, our body's trying to get back to that equilibrium. But when you're constantly triggered, we have to be very intentional to help our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you if those blue light blocker glasses worked because I know a couple of my kid clients actually started using them during the pandemic. Yeah, my kids use them too. And I use them actually because I'm on the computer quite a bit. And I think that they work. You know, I don't know if that's the placebo effect or what, but it seems it seems to work. And, you know, iPhone has a night shift mode where it is an amber light rather than a blue light. Mm. So I use that on all my devices as well, which again, I, I feel has been helpful. Well, and even if it is the placebo effect, it is an effect, it's right? And, an effect, and right? so this is what we want is an effect. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. true. Well, I appreciate you talking about the stress response in a little bit more detail with that. I know that when we talked before, you were talking about finding the miracles in the pain. Can you tell us what you mean by that and how you were able to find miracles in, I, I assume you meant the pain of anxiety, right? I, I really was talking about, and it could be anxiety, it could be any experience, but with being a multiple cancer survivor, um, you know, I had bone cancer, I've had breast cancer, and I've had two different types of skin cancer um, where I've had to have my nose reconstructed. And I have this, you can't probably can't see it 
from where you are, but I have like a little uh, pirate scar on my cheek and my dad says it looks cool. So I'll, I'll go with that. But um, <laughs> just, just, you know, we all have pain um, and it could be cancer. It could be anxiety. It could be anything. And those areas where we feel broken and those areas where we feel we are not capable. And, you know, you talk about chaos and it's like, you feel like I can't do this. You know, there's any type of chaos in your life. And it's like, I, I feel like I can't do this. But that is what I call the negativity track. I can stay afraid. I can stay negative, And I can just go on that runaway train, which is on the negativity track. Or I can choose to, to throw the switch and train, change the tracks and get on the positivity train and use the energy I have for positivity, for powerful action in my life. That's my choice. Mm. And so really choosing to find the miracles in the midst of the pain, it's really about what, what, is, what do I have to be grateful for? What's working well? What... Um, where is the purpose in the midst of this pain? There's got, I'm looking for the greater purpose. And again, I feel like that's a spiritual movement as well, where it's like, there's got to be a greater purpose. It's not just about me having another cancer diagnosis. It's not just about me having anxiety. There's something more to it. And how can I move forward in, in the purpose rather than just that, you know, over and over acknowledging, okay, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. You're in pain. So now what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's sort of, it's an intentional move in another direction and such a powerful message too. When you think about that visual picture of going on the, this track and then choosing to switch tracks and find those those meanings through your suffering I guess is what is what you're saying and that bigger spiritual meaning so it is deeper than just begging God to restore your internet connection to right. <laughs> right right and bigger in the in the fact too that it's letting go remember holding loosely the outcome because you can believe I prayed for healing when I had cancer. Any, any time I had cancer, I prayed for healing, but I had to let go of the expectation that it would be a miraculous healing, like medical science can't explain it, healing, and just allow the process. And I will say that I've, I'm healed from bone cancer. I'm healed from breast cancer, but not in the way that I maybe would have hoped or initially expected, but through time and medical treatment, I've been healed. So it's le uh, letting go of that expectation of what that would look like. Yeah. And I love that you say I am healed too, because that gives your mind that positive suggestion. And, and I know that that the mind and the body work together to form. If, if you said, well, for now I'm cancer free, <laughs> fingers crossed. There's that element of doubt that could actually put some pain back into your body or suffering, whatever you want to call it. Right. That's right. Yeah. You just claim it and, and move forward. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. And speaking about switching tracks and moving forward. So you were at a point af after this that you were going to redefine your life path. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm thinking of people who are on their paths and possibly had a dream job and can't do it for, for whatever reason and want to get somewhere else. Can you tell some of our listeners how you were able to redefine your life and your path in life? Yeah. So I, I, back when I had to quit my dream job for, you know, purposes of getting better, taking care of myself, at that time, what I did, I just really paid attention to what my passions were. And I'd always wanted to, I still wanted to do therapy. I just recognized I couldn't do that with cancer patients only. So that really did direct my path. And I, for a while, I stayed working in the medical in medical social work, but then eventually opening up my private practice. So I would just encourage those who are struggling to, to pay attention to their passions. My initial passion was to serve the cancer patients and their families, serve that community. But when I recognized that that was a trigger for me, I had to take another look at my passions and say, okay, what about that? What about that? And I realized I just loved counseling. And so I wanted to stay in that field. And then as you move through, you know, now I, I was looking for patterns in my counseling practice and recognizing that I had so many people coming to me. Well, and now I specialize in panic and anxiety. So everyone who comes to me has that, but <laughs> um, recognizing that even in that population, people were saying the same thing. Like, I want to get rid of my anxiety. They were afraid of being afraid. You know, there were certain things. And so I recognized, oh my goodness, I if, if I can teach people to heal their relationship with anxiety and live with anxiety in a different way, that would be huge. And so that's really what led me here and um, to con consulting and coaching and trying to reach a bigger audience than just one-on-one -on -one in my office. <laughs> yeah, and I could just see the energy come into you when you started to think and talk about helping people through their anxiety because you know how debilitating or crippling it can be and just the thought of you being out there helping more people to be more comfortable in their anxiety if you will i i really can see that that's that's your path that you're meant to be on because of just the energy that you have about it hmm, thank you yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to take some time now and and uh, also just to put up your website. So this is Sarah Fenlon Falk, uh, F E N L O N F A L K dot com, and her website is really super cool. You know, um, I I think I'm going to go ahead and pull up a couple of pictures from it if you don't mind. Uh, this one really kind of comes to mind here. So uh, that well, actually, this one. This is the very front page where we talk about working moms and anxious. And then it just reminds me, Sarah, of your own journey of the uh, four under four. What was the four under four? Is that what it was? Yeah, I had four children under the age of four. Yeah. And <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, uh, yeah, who else would be more qualified to teach 
moms about anxiety than a person with four kids under the age of four. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your mission statement, I, I think, or maybe a vision statement that you have about teaching working moms to channel their anxiety into powerful action? And then the second piece is finding genuine joy in yeah. at work and at home. Yes, it all stems from, again, shifting anxious energy into that powerful and positive action and also recognizing that anxiety is exhausting. It can suck you dry of all the joy and all the energy you once had to put toward the job you love and the family you love. And so when we shift that anxious energy, we actually rediscover and reclaim the joy in our lives at home and at work again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense because then you, you actually have let a lot of stuff go so you can feel that joy probably just in, in letting go of some of the agonizing pain that anxiety and the energy that anxiety takes from you. Yeah, that negative crack. Yep. Well, and as we mentioned earlier, you are an author, and I don't think I actually understood how many books you had written until I took a peek. And I'm going to go into a little bit more about what the books are on your Amazon page. Uh, and so we've got some some book series, and you want to tell us a little bit about what you've written about. They're all really different. Sure. Yeah. I started, I wrote my memoir during breast cancer treatment, and actually, um, working to put out the second edition uh, after two different um, skin cancer diagnoses. I wanted to add that to the story. So finding myself facing cancer, making meaning in the midst of multiple cancer experiences is my memoir. And it does talk about mind, body, spirit, the journey through all of these um, experiences. I actually take excerpts from my 17-year-old self because I kept a journal then. And so I, I wanted to express all of that in a book and it is now an audio book as well. So that's exciting. And then Keeping It Together is a workbook a patient's companion through decision-making. It's a workbook for people making major medical decisions. I just wanted to help people think about and empower them actually in the decision-making process because things are so scary and you feel a bit lost when you receive a diagnosis. And really this is something that someone could just journal through when they um, get this initial diagnosis. And last but not least, my middle grade fantasy, that came out of uh, just really a desire to write something fun. You know, I had just finished breast cancer treatment and was going through reconstruction and just wanted a fun outlet. And so this is a middle grade fantasy series akin to the Chronicles of Narnia. And um, there are four princes <laughs> my princes, <laughs> my sons, and then two princesses, my nieces. And they are alone in a kingdom and they have to make some very difficult choices and go through some very difficult things. And so we talk about anxiety in the first book, grief in the second book, and just continue on with some of those major 
issues that kids face and talk about how these kids work through it. I love that. I, I was looking on the Amazon page and I saw the artwork on your the, these books. Was it Cheval? Is that what it is? Oh, the Sage Cheval series. Yes. The Sage Cheval series. And you can see what beautiful artwork there is. And I just wanted to open one of those books when I saw them in here. And you just really have a very artistic flavor for the books that you have. This is uh, Sarah's Amazon page. And we're going to go ahead and put that up in the show notes. And so you can check her out. And I think you can also access all of these from your website. Yes. Yep. All of them from the website. Yeah, so so those are some of her books. Her memoir, which is Finding Myself Facing Cancer, that's Making Meaning in the Midst of Multiple Cancer Experiences. That sounds really good for somebody who is facing cancer. October is, I believe it's National Breast yes. Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah, yes. so yeah. so this is this is a really timely uh, to mm -hmm. start talking about this, and, and then the workbook, and that is the keeping it together, a patient's companion through decision making. So it doesn't necessarily have to be about cancer, but it's about medical decision making, and so again, really different, the same, only different, I guess. So. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the five books of the Sage Cheval series, which is the middle middle grade fantasy, and it has her her sons and her nieces as the characters, and they face all kinds of different challenges. And I love that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and also on your website, you know, I noticed that you do have some uh, services and courses. You want to talk a little bit about what you offer uh, through your website and how people might be able to get in, in touch with you. I know we have your website up here, but there's uh, there's some stuff that you offer that would be great to hear about. Sure. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching packages and they're sold in um, monthly packages where we have weekly calls and I kind of uh, lead people through this transition transition um, I call this my energy, NRG package. We talk about um, noticing the triggers and then um, releasing some of that anxious energy and then growing in the midst of um, in the midst of the pain or the pressures that we face and also growing in our relationship with anxiety in a healthy and meaningful way. Anxious to Energize is my signature six-week program, and I am actually working to um, create an online course, so it will be a work at your own pace. I know as a working mom that I would prefer, you know, something that I can kind of get into after the kids have gone to sleep and I have alone time, and so that just makes it available. The information would be lifetime access and it would be, again, work at your own pace. So that will be, right now I'm, I'm using it as similar to a coaching package where there will be calls, there will be Facebook Lives and et cetera, but eventually it will be a work at your own pace. And I do provide consulting services. I can tailor any presentation um, but really, I 
the core of my presentation is making peace with anxiety and, it, and it's understanding the, res the stress response and healing your relationship with anxiety. And then for kids, anxiety is my superpower, very similar to making peace with anxiety, same information. I just kind of gear it toward a younger audience. So that's, that's really fun. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that you have all of those offerings. And uh, so we've got that all on your website. You can find that uh, sarahfenlandfalk.com. And you can also find her on social media at Sarah Falk Coaching. Yep. So check her out. And uh, it's been really great talking with you today. I, I wondered if you wanted to say uh, anything about uh, the resources on your website. I did notice the anxiety resources that you had. Uh, I have to say there are a lot of really, really super good pieces of information on there uh, because when I was talking earlier about, about you finding out information, um, this is a really good resource for you to just look at. And it has a lot of just information about that physiological response, some just a lot of research oriented stuff. Do you want to say anything more about how you came to prepare this anxiety resources section of, of your website? Yeah, I had the cancer resource section already on my website. And when COVID hit, um, that video that's at the very top of my anxiety resources, that came out of, okay, now friends and family are reaching out to me and are like, okay, this is, this is crazy. What do we do? What's going on? How can I help myself? And so I just wanted people to understand that a high stress level and maintaining a high stress level and which means maintaining a high cortisol level also, um, actually can tank your immune system. And so for people who want to be healthy physically, um, this, this healing your relationship with anxiety and kind of soothing the stress reaction actually can benefit you in a, in a medical slash physical way. And so I just thought, okay, I need to put out all my resources on this page. And as I come across more, I add, I probably am due to update that page, but um, I try to keep the anxiety resources and the cancer resources updated because I do have a lot of people that still contact me um, for the cancer resources or even people who are newly diagnosed will email me through my website and want to talk and I try to make myself available. Yeah, so the cancer resources page was first and then you had such an overwhelming kind of response to that and also a need for the anxiety that you created the anxiety resources page on your website. Correct. Yeah, that is great. And we really do appreciate having you around, especially in a cancer, uh, breast cancer awareness month, which is in October. Mm -hmm. And you can do work as a coach uh, throughout the states and around the world. Correct. That's you don't right. have to keep it to Illinois. You can do you can do any uh, any kind of coaching for anybody. So if you want to get in touch with Sarah, uh, her her uh, links again are websites sarahfenlandfalk.com and then at Sarah Falk Coaching. Mm -hmm. 
And again, it was just really uh, great to be able to have you here today. And I do feel a little bit better, still a little bit activated because there are people outside of my window and they are putting uh, out a lot of noise. And I hopefully you didn't hear a lot of it, but you know, I just found that I'm very activated. So I'm just gonna take care of myself after this broadcast goes and I'm gonna try and do some grounding, exercising, breathing and whatever I can do. <laughs> Yes, that's good. That's good. Whatever I can do to calm the chaos. Right. All right. Well, thank you again for being here, Sarah, and you take care. Thanks for having me. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If the information in this podcast has been helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, and on YouTube. You can also go to our podcast website at www.calmingthechaospodcast.com, where you can listen to all Calming the Chaos podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.